Please listen carefully. Hello, universe. Welcome to the Optimist Daily Update. I'm Carissa Garcia. And I'm Summers McKay. And we are part of the team behind the Optimist Daily, making solutions the news. We bring you reader-funded solutions news every day in order to change the tenor of news media, social media, and the direction of your day to help us all get focused on solutions. Seven days a week, we publish positive news stories written by award-winning journalists and delivered online to your inbox through our social channels. And also, we are sharing these solutions in a commute-worthy, walk-worthy, home office-worthy, get-out-and-garden-worthy podcast. Today is Wednesday, the 18th of May, 2022. So remember how it's no mo May, Carissa? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I am very, very excited to announce that all of my work throwing seeds all over our back acreage at the house we're staying at, as well as at the house I'm repairing and not mowing back there, we really wanted to attract some deer and let the mom deers decide to have the babies there. Oh, there's deers in your backyard? That is so cute. It looks like we're actually going to have two sets of mom deers and baby deer in both the properties that I live in. And the wildflowers are like knee high. And I think that if these deer are all born, I'm going to maybe institute a no-mode June Uh just so that they keep the coverage so those babies can grow a little safer. So I am feeling very garden worthy right now, like my spreading of wildflowers and nurturing things. The baby birds, I think I mentioned on the pod earlier this week, Mm -hmm. they're here, you know, with everything that's going on in the world and with all of the tough news and the recent shootings. Yes. For me personally, I am anchoring toward the little tiny things I can do right here in my neighborhood to make the world a little bit better. I love that. I've been feeling inspired by nature recently too, kind of in a different way, not in my backyard at an aquarium. Mm -hmm. But now I kind of want a little aquarium in my own house because I've been thinking about how peaceful it was to watch the fish swim around. Mm -hmm. And I went to the aquarium this past weekend at the Aquarium of the Pacific in Long Beach. And it was just so fun. And I actually went because last week I read an Optimist Daily article about how Monterey Bay, they saw a rare squid or something and I thought it was so cool mm-hmm. and so I needed to go see some sea life so I've been feeling very relaxed and inspired by aquatic nature. Aquatic nature. I mean our oceans mm-hmm. and our wildlife. I think today's pod we're going to talk about some you know stories of personal well I'm picking a story about personal motivation but I think right now what we all need is to support you know, one another and find those beautiful places and those beautiful things that make a difference to us. So yeah, definitely. My family is traveling again. So maybe we'll hit up an aquarium on our next trip. Mm -hmm. So should we get to the news of the day? Do you want to go first? Yeah, I can go first. All right. So it's no Mo May, but it's also kind of on a more, I don't want to say heavier topic, but just on a Another topic, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, which is super important everywhere. So my article today is how to support a loved one with bipolar disorder. And I definitely wanted to do this one because my mom has bipolar disorder. So all of this are tips that I've had to look up on the internet many times over the years. So I thought it's important to share with anyone else who might be going through bipolar disorder or having a loved one with bipolar disorder. Thank you for sharing this one. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad to share this one. 
So if you don't know, bipolar disorder is a mental health condition defined by extreme mood swings, which include emotional highs, which is mania or hypomania, and lows, which are depression. From individual to individual, the intensity of the condition varies, with some people experiencing extreme highs and lows multiple times a year, or only going through an episode a few times of their life. And the condition has no cure, but symptoms can be managed through a treatment plan, and a diagnosed individual can live a full and happy life, like with any mental illness. So to support someone living with bipolar disorder, and to support yourself along the way, if you're taking care of someone, then here are a few tips. Number one is learn. Learn, learn, learn as much as you can. Websites, books, and articles can help you come to terms with exactly what it is because it's like a lot of mental illnesses. It can be confusing sometimes, but the more you know, the less overwhelmed and scared facing the illness will be, and the more understanding you can be towards a loved one going through it. And then another tip is to listen. The best thing you can do to support someone is to listen without judgment, presumption. It can be a lot, but it's also important to not dismiss all their thoughts and feelings as part of their illness because people with bipolar disorders still have valid points when it comes to sharing their experiences. Chris, I think that one is such an interesting thing to remind people of is that yeah. mental health disorders don't negate the existence of emotion and sadness and joy that happen in a person naturally exactly. independent of their mental illness. And I think that's also very true for addiction. Mm -hmm. People who are addicts, oftentimes part of what can cycle the addiction is them blaming their emotions on addiction and others blaming emotions or feelings on addictions as opposed to breaking them apart and breaking the illness from the, you know, emotion separately so that they really can be honored as individuals, not just as people with with mental illness. So I really, I love that one. Yeah, that is definitely a huge point. Another tip too is just spending time together. A common symptom of bipolar is socially withdrawing, especially during the depression phases. So encouraging interaction is very essential. And it can be hard sometimes because mm. you might face rejection from the person, but it's important to remember it's not personal and to keep trying and just to be there. And another important tip is to make a plan because bipolar disorder is an unpredictable illness. So even when things are going good, it's important to have a plan when things are not. So discussing a plan with your loved one, other family members, and healthcare professionals can ensure you're ready for anything and leave you feeling confident about the future. And another tip, notice their symptoms. I think this is very important because a lot of times, or at least in my experience, they can't always tell when their symptoms are coming up and when there's a change approaching. So noticing mm. and understanding what certain behavior means is very key. So you know what action to put into plan. Right. So if you notice their symptoms, yeah. you can go back to the plan that you've made and move forward and help them move forward as they're going into a episode of, you know, mania or depression. Exactly. So it's important to know the signs to look for. And then another thing that can really help is routine. So following a regular schedule can do wonders for your health, for your own health and for someone with a mental health disorder. So it's key to try to stay healthy when dealing with mental illness either way. So encouraging regular exercise, sleep, and eating schedules have been shown to support overall health. And our last tip, taking care of yourself. It can be really intense to care for a loved one with bipolar disorder, but it's extremely important to remember that 
you won't be able to help them if you don't take care of yourself. So you need to help yourself as well. Krista, can I, can I ask you when, about what age did you fully understand that your mom had bipolar disorder? Is that something that you always knew or is it something she was diagnosed with later in life? She wasn't officially diagnosed until about like two years ago, but it's something that I knew was going on with her since I was about in high school. Mm -hmm. I noticed like the changes. I noticed she would have like, you know, really like low lows or really high highs. And I started looking into it because, um, I mean, in high school, I was learning about mental health and stuff too Mm -hmm. and going through like anxiety of my own. And so I... I didn't really know what was going on. And the more I looked into it and the more I was like, okay, this is this symptom. And learning about it, some of the tips that I just shared is when I realized. And then about, you know, for going through any mental illness, like I can – it's kind of hard to come to terms sometimes that you are facing it. And so my mom was definitely in denial by Captain Currenter, you know, and telling your mom, I really think this is what you have. And so I did play a big role in having to – step, not step in, but, you know, let her know, I think this is what's going on. Mm -hmm. It's more than just anxiety and depression for you too. So kind of recent, but also kind of not. That's really amazing that you were able to do that and and kind of go through that with her because we're so accustomed to as, as children being, you know, our parents are our parents, but children can grow up. They can really play a meaningful role in, in their parents' health as well. So yeah. I think that for family dynamics, it can be really challenging when there is mental illness in Definitely. a family dynamic and trying to sort it out and care for care for your parents and care for yourself. So yeah, think, thank you for sharing. Yeah, I'm glad to share. Well, Summers, what do you have to share today? I have another story that is about caring for oneself when making changes or facing changes. My headline actually reads, what to do at a personal or professional fork in the road. Now, right now, there are a lot of people who are at professional forks in the road because coming out of the pandemic, looking into what their future will look like, what the world of work is going to look like, what they want to do. And then there's also a tremendous amount of parents who are looking at what parenting feels like in a post-pandemic or a living with pandemic world is going to be. Definitely. What these are oftentimes called, these moments where you must make a choice, is called an inflection point. And this can be personal or professional Mm -hmm. dilemma, choosing between home and work. It can be the culmination of frustration with a current job or a decision to try something else. And it can also be the end of an era, like graduating from high school, graduating from college, graduating in general from your degree program. And, you know, all of these inflection points are predicated by a feeling of, so what's next? The, The moment that can be daunting to all of us. I have had many professional and personal forks in the road in my life, and I actually consider myself relatively good at navigating them. The reason that I'm relatively good at navigating them is because over the course of my life and career, I have actually followed the tips that are in this article. The first is regulate. And regulate is an easy way to sort of describe what an athlete might do training for a game. 
we emotionally train for these stressful moments and build strong self-awareness. And the way that you build self-awareness is think back to times in your life earlier when you might have had to make a decision or make a change. And think about what your emotions were. Were you knee-jerk reaction? Were you stressed? Did you procrastinate? Did you cry? And have awareness about how it felt in the past when you had to make a dramatic choice. So that way you can learn to be compassionate with yourself for what it is you're experiencing, but you can also learn to make changes in your process. So I know that in the past I've made decisions poorly (laughs) and probably had, you know, deleterious effects on my life. (laughs) But I now look at how those decisions were made. One of my common coping strategies at a fork in the road is often just like disappearing or running away or like kind of going on a really long drive or deciding to go camping alone. And instead of reacting that way, planning a retreat, what I'm saying Mm -hmm. that I need at that moment is total silence, quiet and retreat. And so that it doesn't have to be the hop in my car and, you know, drive a hundred miles away. It's plan a retreat. Now, the next thing is being decisive doesn't mean making a quick decision. Use your resources. Use the people around you, the people that you love to talk through decisions. Go through options. Go through pros and cons lists. Avail yourself to resources like friends and family, emotional support, you know, just to help you through the process. If you are looking for a new job, do a mock interview. Sit down with a friend and do a mock interview. Talk to former colleagues or classmates about what they are doing next or what decisions they've made so that you can have a map and ideas. Just don't consider yourself alone in any decision making. And then the last tip on this one, reorient. Every moment of change is a moment to learn. Instead of being afraid of the fork in the road, look at it as an opportunity. Look at it as a path to something new. And know that if you've missed one opportunity, there will be more to come, right? Don't be in loss thinking, be in gain thinking at that fork in the road. So whether you've lost a job and need to get a new one, or you have graduated and are really going to miss high school, don't think about it as what you've lost and what's behind you, but what you can create and the framework that you can have for what you need and want in the future. This is something I really needed to hear, especially I know you're just reading the article, but from someone I look up to really, because I know when I saw you in person the other day, we were kind of talking, I was like, I feel kind of like the last couple of weeks I've been spiraling about what am I going to do? I feel like I have to have things planned out. I'm in the process of deciding if I'm going to leave Santa Barbara sometime soon over the summer. And that has been really taking over my life the past couple of weeks. But these tips, I think they're simple, but we always forget about them. So I'm glad you shared these ones today to help remind me. And I think in the conversation that you and I had, Carissa, Mm -hmm. it, it was important to remind you and remind myself is that Most decisions like where you're going to live or where you're going to work aren't necessarily permanent. Life can be very long. Life can be very expansive. The opportunity of now is not the only opportunity. There will be an opportunity of tomorrow and the Mm -hmm. next one as well. And, you know, I made a really big decision to move my entire family to Austin, Texas a year ago. And the only way that we really were able to do that is that we knew that if we needed a path back, we had a path back to California. But now that we're here, we're very, very happy here and happy to visit California. 
So I think just remember that, you know, if you're at a fork in the road and you have to make a decision, know that you can always change your mind as well. So sometimes making a decision is the best next thing. I feel like I'm quoting Frozen (laughs) right now, but it's just do the next right thing. Frozen is giving us so many great life lessons. So yeah, yeah. Frozen's a big part of the Optimist Daily right now. Right now, because I watch it all the time with Brennan. What other stories do we have today on the Optimist Daily? Well, let's see. New Zealand passes a landmark climate legislation helping switch to electric vehicles. Nice, nice, nice. I almost read that one because it's such a cool story. Again, legislation, policy, and economics all coming together to a solution. Love that one. And then we have Hawaii-based startup unveils world's first ocean carbon-removing machine. Oh, another really good climate one. And this robot chef can perfectly season your food. I think I need that robot chef because I do not cook a lot. So, (laughs) and then we have wetlands, the super carbon sink and rewilding the Illinois river. You know what? That story was written by Carolyn McDougall, who is the founder and CEO of Ticino, which is one of our, well, is our first sponsor here at the Optimist Daily. And I'm really excited that she was able to contribute a thought leader series to the Optimist Daily. We are mission-driven with them and very aligned, so everybody check that out. We have another story, Greece bans harmful conversion therapy. Lunar agriculture, first plants grown in soil from the moon. Simple desk meditation exercises to help you de-stress at work. Do not try to have parasynthetic breathing on a Zoom call with your whole office. We tried, it didn't work. And then five easy steps to start composting because even if you bought the composter and you built the composter or you made your teenagers build the composter and it's still in your backyard and you're not yet doing it, here's how you can get started. Not that it's personal. That and much, much more, as always, friends, is available on the Optimist Daily. We are deeply grateful for everyone who listens to us and joins us in the conversation looking for solutions for a better, brighter tomorrow. We promise to do what we do, which is cover the current events with accuracy, legitimate sources, and offer you the information needed most to chart new paths for all of us. And you do what you're supposed to do, which is support us for free on the socials, forward a story to a friend, or become an Optimist Daily Emissary. Hey, Chris, it was fun being with you this morning. It was fun being with you too, Summers. I'm glad we got to hear the show today. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Optimist Daily Update. We'll be back tomorrow with more solutions. 